You're listening to the Redeemer London podcast. For more information, visit our website at redeemerlondon.org. Great. I am speaking week two out of Acts. Um, just want to say Acts is the book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are the four Gospels. And then we get really an account of what happened in the early church. It, it covers a period of 30 years. It's after the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The disciples were devastated by the events. If you read about Jesus dying, they suddenly thought, what's happened? Then Jesus rises again. They think, whoa, it's all going well. Then Jesus returns to heaven, and there's this whole period of what's going to happen. And then we discover here that that they are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're caught up on incredible mission, and they establish this committed community, the church. And last week, I looked at one of the, the central things that Jesus had said to the disciples, which was then in the church, which was break bread together. And we looked at the fact that this is a reminder, and we do it every week, that Jesus' body was broken for us. Literally, his blood was poured out for us. We don't ever want to forget that. We want to come time after time and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us. That was one thing that Jesus said to his disciples, I really want you to do. Now I want to look at the other thing. The other thing that Jesus said, actually, what I really want you to do is I want you to do this symbol which reminds you of me. You think, oh, Pete, but that's what we did last week. I know both symbols that Jesus gave us reminded him of his death and his resurrection, and it is this. Acts 2, verse 38. If you've got your Bible or your phone, yep, don't keep checking on the news or anything. Let's go to the Word of God. Look it up on your phone, Acts 2, verse 38. Peter speaks to a crowd that have gathered. He's, you know, they, they basically realize, oh, golly, what have we done? We've killed the Son of God. And they end up saying, oh, God, it's gone horribly wrong. Peter says this, repent and be baptized Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then you can jump down to verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This to me is God's amazing grace in a time of difficulty. If you think about it, when Moses went up on the mountain and he got the the commandments from God, he came down. And because they'd messed up, what happened? God came in judgment. They had to put swords on their sides. The Levites, they went through the camp. They killed 3,000 people. And yet in the New Testament, what happens is they're up in the upper room. They've killed the Son of God. But they come down with this message, God loves you. This is what we've heard this morning. God welcomes you. God forgives you. And 3,000 are saved and baptized. You just think, what an incredible picture. And actually, this is something that we see the whole way through Acts. If if I'd have written this book at Acts, you might think, God, there's so much packed into these 30 years. Right, I've done baptism. I'm going to move on to something else. But it's so important that we see it again and again and again. So keep flicking through your Bibles. If you go across to Acts and chapter 12, Acts and chapter 12, what's happened now is that there's been persecution and the church has been spread. This wasn't what they wanted. 
You know, but suddenly they get these hard times, and so the people scatter. Philip ends up in Samaria. Well, if you know about your Bible, you know that Samaria wasn't the best place to go because they were the ones that sort of had married non-Jews. And, and so, you know, when Jesus told the parable about the Samaritan, it was a shock. Philip ends up there. He ends up telling them about Jesus. What Jesus has done for them. The gospel, the great news. Hey, you've messed up, but Jesus Christ died in your place. Not only did he die, he rose again. What can you do about it? Be baptized. We read it here in Acts 12. It says there, But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, men and women. Simon himself was baptized. Now, Simon was a sorcerer, and, and basically he'd been captivated by what the pe- people had been captivated by him, but suddenly he realized, wow, there's this incredible power. I want to get baptized. I want to follow. I want to say, if you're a man or a woman and say this morning, baptism's for you. If you've been involved in something, you think, oh, God, that's been pretty powerful in the past. Baptism is for you. We find it again in in this chapter. Philip is on the move again. I find it fascinating. There's so much energy and passion about this mission that goes on. Philip, uh, basically, this time, it's not persecution that moves him. It's God. And God says, look, I want you to go along. Go for a little run. This is my interpretation of the Bible. He's going for a little run, and there's a guy in a chariot, and the guy is reading the book, and he doesn't understand the book. And Philip basically says, look, would you like me to explain it? And the guy says, yes. And Philip says, well, I'm getting tired. Can I get on the chariot? So he gets onto the chariot. He explains Isaiah to him. This is an Ethiopian eunuch. Really important. Traveling back to Africa. And, and, and what happens? Well, we can read it there in Acts 8, 36 to 38. As they traveled along the road, they came to, the, to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. Isn't this fascinating? Literally, he read this. He suddenly thought, this is incredible. If this is true, I believe it. And if I believe it, I want to get baptized. Hey, look, literally, we don't know what it was like. We know it was big enough that these grown men got down inside and were baptized. I mean, I just think, wow. Flick over the page again. Acts 9. This is the bad boy Saul. Saul was a Jew. Saul hated the Christians. So much so that he he was throwing them into prison. He was beating them up. If you've ever heard of the Damascus Road experience... Saul was traveling to that place, which is now in Syria. He was on the way there. Blinding light comes. He falls to the ground. You know, what are you doing? Jesus confronts him. He basically says, oh, no. He gets led blind into the city that we're told. This disciple Ananias comes and prays for him. Do you know Saul has not eaten or drunk for three days? Nothing for three days. The guy prays for him. His eyes are opened. What's the first thing that you're going to do? Order a curry, out of thoughts. What, is, what did he do? Well, you can read it in, in Luke, uh, sorry, Acts 9.18. Immediately something like scale fell from his eyes. He could see, 
he got up and was baptized. I don't know about you, but for me as a guy, I think, what, before food? I mean, that's commitment. I don't know I've ever missed the meal. You know what I'm saying? You just always think, God, it's 6.30 this morning. I was sat at my breakfast table eating my breakfast. Because I just get excited. As soon as I get up, I think, man, I've got to eat. It's going to pump me up for the day. Here he is. He's not eating for three days. The first recorded thing is, he says, I want to get baptized. There's something, isn't there, right in the midst of this. Wow. Baptism, baptism, baptism. Then we go along to Acts 10, the next chapter. Peter, Peter was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was mainly a church for the Jewish folk. Uh, that was their central city. He gets this, this vision and this dream. He's praying one day, and God basically says to him, look, I don't want you to have a division between the Jews and the Gentiles, the non-Jews, which have been there. He says, actually, everybody is welcome to come to God. So he gets this vision. Anyway, he then gets this sort of knock at the door, literally come and speak to this guy. Goes to Cornelius' house. He tells Cornelius the good news. What's the good news? The good news is this. You are more sinful than you even imagine, but more loved than you could hope for. That's what the Bible says. You're more sinful than you can imagine, because we all like to pretend that we're okay. You are worse than you can possibly imagine. You stink before God. Didn't expect to come to church and hear that one. But actually, you are more loved than you could ever hope for. And if we understand this, we, and, 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 and he just suddenly says, wow. What happens in Acts 10.47 is the Holy Spirit comes upon these people. They believe. Peter says, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They've received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered, I love that word, don't you? He ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they asked Peter to stay with him for a few more days. It's almost like, wow, this story, what's happened is they've come to realize, hey, you, you got saved? I order you. Get baptized now. Because that's what happens in Acts. We're trying to understand this big picture here. We go on to Acts 16. And there's many, many accounts. I'm just trying to skip through. Here, Paul is in Philippi. He meets with this really important businesswoman. They, they just want to present the thing. Power dressing. It's all that kind of stuff. Isn't it? Let people realize how important you are. Her name is Lydia. She sold purple cloth. She was important. It says here, one of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. Golly, the posh, the rich, the influential. What happens? They believe in Jesus and they get baptized. Well, I can't have a look at your bank account right now. You could. Maybe you are rich and influential. Maybe you're loaded. Great. Come and get baptized because that's what the Bible says, isn't it? We come to this point of understanding who Jesus is. If we believe, we would get baptized. I love this. How many reasons, how many excuses could we give for not doing it? If you read in Acts 16, there's another story. I love this story. Paul and Silas are basically intimidated for being believers. Because they, they're telling people about Jesus, it doesn't go well for them. They end up getting thrown into prison. At midnight, 
They are singing praise to God. I mean, what a great story. You know what I'm saying? Golly, it, it would have been pitch dark. There'd have been no screen just to read your Bible on in those days, yeah? I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's black. You think, man, what's going on? You must have felt God. We were trusting you. We're in prison. Held against their will. And then there's suddenly there's like this earthquake and boom. You know, the doors are opening. The jailer suddenly thinks, oh no, if all these prisoners escape, I'm going to be done for. So what the jailer does, literally, he's going to get a sword and he thinks, I would rather kill myself than face justice the next day. And Paul shouts out to him, hey, don't do it. We're all here. Let's pick up the story. He tells them the good news about Jesus. Acts 16.31, they reply, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them, washed their wounds. Then immediately he and his household were baptized. I love this. <laughs> it gets more and more crazy. It's midnight. You suddenly realize that you've You've put someone in prison who's a real man of God. So what do you do? You say, I'm really sorry. I will wash the wounds. Now, what's the first thing that we should do? I want to get baptized. Why? Because I've suddenly realized that I'm worse than I could have imagined, but more loved than I could have hoped for. The gospel has totally changed me. And so I want to get baptized. The middle of the night. This book is, you know, you suddenly think, wow, it's packed with stories of baptism. There's another one in Acts 18. So you flick over there, Acts 18. So basically, this is a respected Jewish man. He was in the synagogue. He was a synagogue leader. In, In the Jewish times, they had one temple. The temple was in Jerusalem. But on the Sabbath, you were not supposed to walk more than three quarters of a mile because that would then be considered work. And so what they did is they used to have lots of synagogues everywhere so that you could walk less than three quarters of a mile, go there, meet with God, and go home when you've not worked. He was a synagogue leader. He was a respected man. However, when Paul comes to his town... It says in Acts 18, 7, 8, Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titus Justus, a worshipper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. So he was a guy that had been religious in his past, that had done all the rituals of the synagogue. He was a leader in almost telling people how to behave, but he suddenly came to believe himself in Jesus Christ and thought, that's it. I've got to be baptized. I wish we could have stopped and looked at every story. In Acts 19.5, we get another story. Paul is in Ephesus. He meets some disciples, disciples, and, and, and they've not been baptized. They're believers. And so what does he say to them? On hearing this, they were baptized. Acts 19.5. It's almost like, well, I've been a disciple for some time. But you what, you've not been baptized? Paul says, come on, let's get baptized right here, right now. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to hear from you. But we, we, we're looking at this book of Acts and we think, God, it's peppered on every page. 
that actually people believed and got baptised. I pray that we'd hear from you about this subject this morning. Amen. See, I want to ask the question, why was it so important to Acts? Why, therefore, should it be so important to Redeemer? And why, therefore, should it be so important to you? You see, this thing of, of, of baptism is right throughout this book. And it, was, it, it seems a central thing. Why was it so important? I mean, come on, Peter, does it really matter for today? I hope that we understand something as we look at this now. The first thing I want to say is this. Why was it important? Jesus himself was baptized. Obviously, that's not going to be recorded in the book of Acts. But if you go back to one of the Gospels, I told you Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mark, it tells us in Mark 1, verse 9, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. The only person in the world who did not need to be baptized chose to. I find that fascinating, don't you? At the end of the day, you know, he, he, wasn't, he hadn't done all these things wrong. He, he hadn't done all these vile thoughts. We believe Jesus was perfect. That's what the Bible teaches. So it's not like, oh, I've done all this wrong, and, and actually I'm, I'm more sinful than I could imagine. And I'm more... He wasn't. But he still chose to get baptized, and I believe that he was doing that as an example to us. He was identifying with us, saying, this is the way you are to go. Pope Francis, there you go. I mean, reaching out to the Catholics this morning. When Jesus stepped into the waters of the Jordan and was baptized by John the Baptist, he did so not because he was in need of repentance or conversion. He did it to be among people who need forgiveness. Among us sinners. And to take us, sorry, up himself, the burdens of our sin. He was basically coming, and this was a demonstration of us saying, come on, actually. He was saying, that I identify with these. This is why I'm getting baptized. Jesus himself was baptized. And at the end of his life, when he was saying to his disciples, like, a few final words, I just want to chuck a few things in. What I really want you to do, if I had to give you a mission statement for your life, says Jesus, it's recorded in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. He came to them, the disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything. What did he say? He said, actually, if, if here's, here's a, a life commission for you, I want you to go to the nations and I want you to baptize them. So do you, do you begin to, oh, actually, Pete, this is really important, isn't it? So what are four things that I want to teach about baptism this morning? Four things that I'm going to quickly go through, and you think, oh, I, I, hopefully I'm, I'm seeing this. The first thing is this. I believe baptism is for believers because it is a symbol of your union with Christ. You recognize, um, and, and we... We often set up a pool. 
I don't want to get caught up in what it's, what it's like. I used to be in a Baptist church, and we used to have them built into the floor. The whole purpose was you climbed into it, and you die to yourself, and you come back up, and you live with Christ. And there's a sense of, I have been united with him. I think baptism, therefore, is for believers. You see, I deserved wrath, and God put it out upon him. And actually, I'm loved because Jesus rose from the dead. So therefore, we don't baptize children. Oh, that's controversial, is it? And therefore, I might even say, if you were baptized as a child, was that baptism or did you just get wet? Because if you read in the scripture, it says, believe and be baptized. So I think there is an order there. If you believe, then you get baptized. If you don't believe, what is it? According to the Bible. You see, it is a symbol of your union with Christ. I don't know if I can use this illustration next week, so I thought I'd throw it in this week. When England are playing, I put on my England shirt. Yeah, I'm sad like that. You know, I sit in front of the telly and I'll be cheering away because I identify with the team. You know what I'm saying? I sometimes think I could play better than them. I'm sure I couldn't. But you just sort of think, I, I want to be connected. You know, I want people to know. Let's be honest, I live in Hanwell. You can see that of many Polish folk. They've got flags flying up when Poland are playing their cheering away. I love it. Why wouldn't you want to identify with your team? As believers, this is our chance to show our identity with Jesus. Paul writes to the church in the letter to Rome, Romans 6, verse 4, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Basically, there's this thing, if we have died to ourselves, we live for him. Watchman Ni, he was a, a Christian leader in China, said this, baptism is an outward expression of an inward faith. So if you believe, you get baptized. Number two, I think it is a symbol of cleansing from sin. We have to be very careful here because I honestly believe the gospel is Jesus and nothing else. I do not believe that the gospel is Jesus and baptism. And I know that some people would preach that, that if you're not baptized, you wouldn't go to heaven. I cannot see that in the Bible. What I clearly believe is that if you believe in Jesus, you are forgiven. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, nothing else. But I believe that baptism is a symbol of your sins being washed away. In church history, we've dealt with baptism in many different ways, and we don't do it here, and sometimes I think, oh, it's quite nice, and why don't we? People used to get baptized in running rivers, because the idea was that as you got in there, you wanted the water to wash your sins away. And, you know, who wants to get into a pool of somebody else's scum? You know, so if, if, if you get baptized here and you're number four, you think, man alive, whose sin am I going to? Now, I don't think it's quite like that. But I guess it's, yeah, when I was a kid, I was one of three boys. We didn't have much money. Oh, you know, we all had to bath in the same water. Oh, you used to say to mum, could I bath first? Because there was something about what was left there from the other two boys. In some respect, there's this picture of baptism. It's like your sin is washed away. Now, I don't believe that it's a physical thing. I think it's a symbolic thing. 
It says in Acts 22, verse 16, Now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. And so I believe it's a symbol of that. T.D. Jakes, who's a preacher in the States, says this, Baptism was put was to put a line of demarcation between you, your past sins, when you were buried with him by baptism. You are burying your past sins, eradicating them, putting a line in the sand, saying that old man is dead and he's no longer alive anymore, and I rise up and walk in the newness of life. Now, if T.D. Jason said that, you'd have been on your feet by now. Come on. It is a symbol, isn't it? A symbol of cleansing. What else is it a symbol of? It is a symbol of entering the church. I believe that it's you saying, I'm part of this team. I've signed up. I'm in. I'm together. It says in 1 Corinthians, this was a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all made to drink. There's this picture of, come on, we are in together. So just as an aside, that's why I would always see baptism as something that's public. And I think it's something that's affirmed by the church together. I personally wouldn't want to baptize any one of you in my bath at home because I think, oh, there's something about us with the church. And you get baptized, and what you're saying is, I've washed my sins away, I've joined this family. Praise God. Tony Campolo Christian in the States says this, in baptism, new Christians become part of the body of fellowship of fellow believers who are called to spiritually encourage one another and hold one another responsible for consistent Christian living. I've joined. I'm part of it. I'm baptized. I'm in. Three symbols. Being a preacher, I'd like to have given you a fourth symbol, but I'm not sure the fourth point is a symbol, so you just have to run with it and write down It's an opportunity. It's not a symbol, it's an opportunity. See, I believe that baptism is an opportunity to encounter God. With Bible, faith is spelt R-I-S-K. Faith is spelt R-I-S-K. It's about risk. You see, to me, baptism is not you saying, Jesus be my saviour. Because we all want to be saved. If we recognize we've done wrong, we want to be saved. It's you saying, I want Jesus to be my Lord. And there's a difference because you might say, oh, okay, save me. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go elsewhere. Take me to heaven, Jesus. He's saving me. When you get baptized, you're saying, actually, he's my Lord. And it's the first step of obedience. It's the first step that actually says, I bow the knee. Whatever you want now is important in my life. I believe is an important encounter with God. We know that in Matthew 3.16, that when Jesus was baptized, immediately he came up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. So it wasn't just a symbol. I believe there was a powerful encounter. I believe if you've never been baptized, it's worth doing it not as a symbol of encountering God, because you will encounter God. Max Lucado an author from the States says this, baptism separates the tire kickers from the car buyers. I don't know if that's a helpful analogy or not. I just thought, oh, that's quite an interesting way of putting it. So many of us could look around a car and kick the tires and think, oh, yeah, it doesn't look bad. 
Well, so many of us can think, no, this is it. I'm in. I'm, I'm buying this thing. I'm totally there. I'm 100%. I'm on board. I've not walked around and made an observation. I've, I've, I've totally gone for it. So therefore, how do we baptize at Redeemer? I see baptism as an act of obedience and a public declaration of your faith. We do by full immersion because that's how I understand it from the Bible. There's a, a marinating. You know what I'm saying? It, we don't practice sprinkling here. How old do you have to be to be baptized? Old enough to confess that Jesus is your Lord. Here you go. There's a story. One of my kids said to me, younger than I was anticipating, I'd like to get baptized. And I said, no, I don't think so. I said, I'd like to get baptized. I said, no, I don't think so. And then this uh, child started quoting scripture at me. Well, if you're a pastor, that's a bit embarrassing when your kids are doing it, isn't it? It says in James, you say you love me. Show me you love me by how you live. I wanted to show God I love him by getting baptized. I thought, forget baptism, you can preach. (laughs) But you suddenly think, actually, it's a practical demonstration, isn't it? It's an act of obedience. I think if if someone's going to prepare to say that to me, great. When do you get baptized? As soon as possible. I haven't got a pool here this morning. That was bad planning, wasn't it? But why not? Why not? My own testimony was this. I was raised, as I think I mentioned earlier, in a Baptist church. My parents brought me up to love and fear God. Golly, I can't remember how old I was. I remember it was in June. June. June the 12th. There you go, 1977. I went to a crusade and the choir was all singing, just as I am. I realized I could come to God, not by what I did, but by what he'd done for me. I prayed with my dad that night. I'm sorry for what I've done wrong. God forgive me. I believe that I was then a Christian. I was nine years old, but I didn't get baptized. I remember going along to the church youth group. By now, I'm a teenager. And the the church youth leader saying to me, Pete, when are you going to get baptized? And let's be frank, the challenge is that we bring our kids up to understand the word of God and that. I said, I will get baptized when God tells me. So I thought that was a spiritual answer. I remember now we were playing snooker at the time. I remember it was my shot. I don't remember what happened next because he said to me, God already has. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, look at it in the Bible, Pete. How can you say God has not said it? For me, a light bulb moment went on, and I thought, you're absolutely right. And so I thought, right, I would get baptized. I was 15 when I got baptized. I would like to ask you the question here this morning. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you think, actually, yeah, he was the Son of God. He died for me. He rose again so that I can be set free. Have you been baptized? Wayne Grudem, he wrote a book called Systematic Theology of a Clever Guy. He says this, baptism then is not necessary for salvation, but it is necessary if we're to be obedient to Christ. For he commanded baptism to all who believe. So I'm not saying this will make you a Christian. I think if you are a Christian, this is your act of obedience. Max Lucado, the guy who told us about kicking car tires. Is it possible for an unbaptized believer to be saved? Yes, definitely. But should every believer be baptized? Yes, definitely. What about you? 
Let's pray. Just while we pray, I believe that, you know, God has spoken. I believe this is his word. It's not about me. It's about him. Not doing anything for me. I'd just like us to take a moment. Bow your heads. We're going to pray. But if you think, actually, Pete, I've, I've not thought about that before. I've probably not thought about that clearly. I'd like to know a bit more about baptism. I, I admit, right here, right now, I'm a Christian and I've never been baptized. I'd like you to put your hand up. You think that I'm here today and I'm a believer, but I've never been baptized, and I'd like you just to put your hand up. That's not saying you're going to do it. I've got some sheets here. I printed them out and I felt, I felt challenged to print out these sheets to say, actually, who would like to find out some more details about being baptized? Anybody here that would like to take one of these? That's fine. We're not going to rush him. We're not going to put any pressure on anyone at all. Jesus, we thank you that you got baptized. We thank you you set an example for us. We thank you that you told us to do this, just like breaking bread. It makes us remember again your death, your resurrection, the life that you offer us. I pray for us as a church that we'll be like the book of Acts, that in every chapter we'll be baptizing. I pray for Redeemer that it's not something we just put on the back burner and think, oh, well, as and when. God, we want to see people believe you and get baptized. I pray if there's any here today that think, oh, I've never done it, but I'd like to. I feel I should. I want to find out some more. God, would you speak to them by your spirit for your glory. Amen.